Hey friends, I just finished my interview with Jeff Tesh, CEO of RCN Capital, and I could not believe his story about his career. It went from Subway to CEO of RCN Capital, one of the leaders in the space. You got to tune in to check it out. Tuning into the Bold Moves podcast. We become friends all about relationships. What you do Share ideas that make us all stronger, better executives. If you create the Well, Jeff, I want to welcome you to our premier broadcast of Bold Moves. Um, I've been talking about this with you for a while, and uh, when the group got together to decide who should be our guest, it was you were unanimous. Uh, everybody likes you. You have achieved a tremendous amount of success. And I know it hasn't always been easy. So um, the idea of this uh, podcast is to go through your career history. And uh, the concept is imagine if your 21-year-old self was sitting in my chair and you were having a discussion about your career, about the the right moves, the wrong moves, the mistakes, the things you, you learn, the things you could rewind. And uh, that's the whole concept. So uh, before we formally introduce you, it is February, which is no longer dry January. And uh, we have chosen a fine bottle of Macallan 18. Very nice. To start February off the right way, because this is going to be a, a gentleman's discussion over a nice scotch. May I? Please do. All right. It's a pleasure to be here, John. Um, being selected first, um, it's actually quite humbling. Um, and I'm excited to be able to share my story and, and really kick it around with you. Well, I can't wait to hear. So what we should start is for all the, the, the viewers, uh, what's your position today and what industry are you in? Sure. So I'm CEO of RCN Capital. RCN Capital is a private lender that focuses on the non-owner-occupied residential mortgage space. Okay. So what does that mean? It means we lend to investors nationwide who are buying single-family homes, as well as mixed-use, as well as multifamily, that need financing to be able to build out their investment portfolio. And the distinction between what RCN does and what a Fannie or Freddie or a traditional bank does. What's the difference? Yeah, sure. So we do not loan to folks who are moving into the homes. We only loan to investors. And those investors are very specialized in that they are buying properties. Sometimes they're renovating them, making homes livable for families and selling them into the marketplace. Other folks are buying homes, renovating them and renting them out. And others are just renting out homes. But at the end of the day, we never lend to somebody who's living in the home. We are non-owner occupied. No consumer-based loans, only business purpose loans. Correct. Got it. So I understand the space and you're the CEO of this company. Correct. When was this company started? So we started in 2010. Uh, folks that are in the uh, mortgage world might think to myself, oh my goodness, 2010. You couldn't have picked a worse time to start a business, but in reality, it turned out to be the best time to start a business with all the great recession and, and the foreclosures in the marketplace, we thought, myself and my partner, that now would be the time 
to deploy capital into a space that was desperate for financing right. for all those foreclosures in the marketplace. And it, and it worked. 2010, you started with only a handful of people. I remember I was there. And now how many people are working for you? So we're at about 255 as of today. 255 people. Yeah. Amazing story. Yeah, truly uh, amazing. And this will be a theme of our discussion, but the employees that have uh, helped build the company are just unbelievable. That, that leads me to my, my first question over your career. You've had success with RCN. You've had success with other businesses. I'm sure some failures. What is the most important thing you need or what is the most important thing you need in the mix to be successful? Well, at the end of the day, as a leader, you, and this might sound simpleton, but the reality is no job should ever be above you. Meaning anything that you ask of someone else, you should be willing to do yourself. Now, that, that started with me in my previous life where, when I owned franchise restaurants. But I took that from that business and I moved it into the finance world when we started the company in 2010. And I still look at it the same way today. The person answering the phone, the person battling it out with the customer over rates and points, all of those things, I would never ever ask somebody to do to have that tough conversation that I wouldn't do myself. And that leads me to what is the most important thing for a leader, in my humble opinion, is always putting your people first. And people. if you do that, you will be successful but beyond your wildest dreams. You really will. I can say from personal experience watching you as uh, CEO of RCN, your people, one, love and respect you. And they appreciate the opportunity to work in RCN. It has a great culture. And for me seeing it, it starts from the top down. It's your attitude. Now, uh, I, I have exposure to a lot of CEOs in the space. Everybody has a different style, but few bring people together like you do. And I, I'm going to ask you, was that a learned trait or is that something that you were born with? Uh, it was definitely a learned trait. Oh. I, I, I went into the franchise business just to put it out there. I owned Subway restaurants. Okay. So... Let's go there. So 2010, when we started RCN Capital, I still owned, I don't know, four or five restaurants at that point. And as I built that company out over almost 20 years, I learned that the people that did the work were actually the reason I succeeded. When I started out at literally 22 years old. Yeah. I was employing people that were older than me, younger than me. What did I know? I'm paying you. Why aren't you doing the job I asked? But what I figured out over those 20 years is that it was actually the people in the restaurants that made me successful. And it wasn't that I was the boss. No. That that and it it took it took a while to figure that out. It really did. So in the in the in the restaurant business, you had four to five subways. Mm -hmm. um, was it four or five? Yeah, it? I mean, I started off with one and built up, and I had at some point I had more. I sold some. Okay, so it was transactional business. Absolutely. So what made you get out of the subway? I see Subway today. We have them near us here yes. now. Very successful so franchise. It, it, 
in, in 2010, I still owned, like I said, four or five. I don't remember how, I, how many I owned uh, at that time. Um, but going into that, I thought that was going to be it. But what ended up happening was a, a dear friend of mine who I had known for years who uh, really built an incredible software company, made more money than he could ever spend, got together with me and said, I think there's an opportunity to deploy capital into a space right now that is desperate for capital. Now, the reason I got into it was because aside from Subway, I was investing in real estate. So I knew real estate. I just didn't know lending. Okay. And so uh, we can mention uh, Don's name. Yeah. So Don Vaccaro yeah. approached you and you saw a different path, even though you were having success with these restaurants. That's correct. So that to me is a bold move. Yeah. You're, you're, you're building a business. You've been doing it for a, a long time at this point. You have success. You're trading in it. And someone brings you a new opportunity and you kept your eyes open to take that opportunity. You didn't shut off because this is what I do and this is what I know. Yeah. That, that to me, again, is a bold move. So you have a partner now. Okay, his name is Don Vaccaro. How is it with a partner when you're, when you're building a new business? So the most wonderful thing about Don was he basically gave me a mission and a checkbook as he had the capital to deploy and said, go figure it out. Right. And that's exactly what I did. The ability for him to trust somebody into a space that he knew I didn't know a lot about but he knew me and he knew my track record of running businesses that he knew I would figure it out. And, and you know, I've learned that if you learn from others and just ask the right questions, mm -hmm. you're way better off than just trying to figure it out yourself. Yes, yeah, so you gotta learn quickly though. Yeah, just learn got... from others. Ask others, what were your successes? How did you do this? I, you know, I tried to bring on people that had gone before me in the space yeah. and ask them what to do and more importantly, what not to do. So you learn the lending space and the lending space has evolved since you got into it. We did it together. In fact, we, uh, I'm proud to say that private lender law closed your initial loans under Entertainment Financial. That's right. Was the name of it. We still have the files here. And, uh, but even at that time, uh, we, you were deploying, I recall, 100% of the construction finance uh, proceeds at closing because we didn't have the mechanisms to deploy it over time. I mean, it was, it was like the Wild West, right? It was truly the Wild West. We were figuring it out as we would go along. You know, what's interesting is the private lending business has been around for as long as there's been transactions. That's correct. Two people get together and they transact on something that is typically not a owner-occupied residence. It could be a business, it could be a res, it could be an investment, who knows? It's been going on forever. But nobody up until that point thought it was scalable. Right. But I did, I honestly did because I thought to myself, and this goes back to my franchise background, if I could just put in the proper protocols and then of course get the capital, like we had our own capital at that point, but I thought there was, back in 2010, Don and I thought it would probably be bonds. Like somehow right. we would pull them together and it would be an attractive investment, especially at high coupons. Back then we were always lending out at 12, 14%. We've come full circle back to those numbers again, right? right? 
But we thought it would be bonds. Little did we know how much the industry was going to change with institutional capital that came in. But we thought that the money would be there if we could just put together a process and, and scale, scale away. And, and it has been there. Not without uh, ups and downs, <laughs> not without you know challenges. So let's go back to so you're you're growing this organization, RCN Capital. Yeah. Uh, you're the CEO. You're attracting people uh, to to come work for you. What is that like? What do you look for in in key roles and in and employees? And I I say colleagues. Yeah. Because uh, we all at Private Lender Law work together. I don't view anybody above anybody else, right. but everybody could have a different role. So what do you look for for someone who wants to be in, in the RCN universe? So first off, especially in those early days, I had a huge competitive advantage. That competitive advantage was I started the business inside the software company's building. So when folks came to interview, they came to a real office building with a real front desk. Right. And they said, hi, I'm here to interview for the job for Entertainment Financial, right? So even though we were a shop of, well, in the beginning, it was just me and a salesperson. Right. But even when we were a shop of 10 or 20 people, we had the appearance of institutional. Really because important. We were, and, it, and that was a huge competitive advantage for us. But to get to your question directly, what, what do, does myself and my team look for? is folks that are willing to be team players. And there's certain buzzwords that you look for in when those conversations are happening with people. We like to hear a lot of we and they. Not I. Not I. Right. Like, I am not looking to be here in three years or I'm going to pivot my career, right? Like, some people might see that as, well, I'm a driven person and I'm going to deliver for you. Well, maybe, but internally, that's not going to work so well. So those community words we're always looking for when we hire people. It's, it's more important than their resume. It's more important than how many loans they've closed for somebody else. It's the most important thing. And going back to what you said early on, you know, we've hired folks that have developed an internal culture. You know, everybody gives me the credit for the culture that I've developed. And well, maybe that was true when it was five or 10 people. Now we have, you know, so many people. It's all the other leaders in the company that are passing down yeah, that but I'm culture. Gonna, I'm going to defend my friend Jeff Tesh for a second. <laughs> You've personally picked every key leader in that company with, with your command staff. And your, your senior staff, yeah. but they all have the same commitment to RCN That's right. and the same positive attitude. Yeah. And, and I always say you are always have a positive attitude, even when you're so stressed in a situation. We've been through some wars together and dealt with some crises together as, as, we, as we do, uh, but you're always positive. And that's something I think you bring to your organization. And it's something I try to bring here. Uh, it's very easy to be a, a, a downer yeah. and be negative on a situation, but bringing positive energy to your organization, to your people, and empowering them is something that I truly believe in and makes a difference. Do you agree? A hundred percent. And, you know, I'm not where I am today if I didn't have that history of growing up in the franchise business. And listen, 
That, that employee is a very different employee than the employee I have today. That employee back in the day in the restaurant business was most likely somebody who's just going paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. A lot of high school kids, college kids, they could care less. Uh-huh. And I had to find a way to make sure that they felt part of the business. Otherwise, ownership. it wasn't going to work. Ownership. So what I learned there just transferred into this business today. The employees I have today, almost all of them are college educated. They're smart. They're energetic people. So what makes them different? What makes them different is the the, the belief in we, not I. So, so, you know, I always struggle with this a little bit because you do see people who are coming and looking for a job. And I always say, I don't want somebody looking for a job. I want somebody who's looking for a home. I want somebody who's looking to be a part of something that's bigger than themselves. I want somebody who sees themselves in a career. And I always tell my son, and I'm sure maybe you would tell the 21-year-old Jeff Tesh this answer, don't make decisions for money. Don't ever make a decision for money. The money comes when you work hard and you're good at what you do, and that takes time and effort. And uh, too often today, I see the younger generation making moves just for a bigger paycheck. And sometimes it's 10% more, 15% more. Um, I never did that. Yeah. And I stayed at places, some would suggest, longer than I should have. And But I'm really happy where I ended up and what I have and what I built. And the lessons I learned in those places were my education. I, I always said I was paid to learn to become who I was. What do you think of that? Well, 100%, right? Like, as... I grew in the finance world, I had to learn everything, right? And there were some mistakes we made. And when you make mistakes, as you know, in the finance world, there's often a monetary consequence to that. Sometimes it's very unforgiving. Yeah, it really is. And you only make that mistake once. That's correct. You only make that mistake once. You often learn way more from your failures than you do from your successes. I mean, that's just... You hear that sometimes on social media and whatnot, and it's not always believable, but I'm, I'm telling you, it is 100% correct. What, what failure taught you the most, whether it was in the, uh, whatever job you had, whether it was in the franchise business, whether it was at RCN, uh, what failure, what challenge did you think, oh, God, this is going to be the end, but you overcame it and you're like, wow, lesson learned. For me, it, it was a bigger bigger 30,000 foot view that I never took time as seriously as I do today. And when I say I don't take time is time is undefeated. Never lost. Time is undefeated. Anyone listening to this podcast today that believes, well, I'll just figure it out when I get there, folks, it will get there way faster than you ever could have imagined. And I'm somebody that I... I pride myself on having a lot of energy and I believe I will have that energy for a long period of time. But, but but what I've learned is time is undefeated. I learned it back in the franchise days. If I didn't sign that lease quick enough, ah, maybe I shouldn't do this. Maybe I shouldn't do that. And what I really started realizing was in the finance world. When I got into this business and I realized that if I didn't make the moves quickly, Somebody else would. And it wasn't so much that I cost myself money, which I did. But what upset me more was the opportunities that I wasn't creating for the people that I hired. 
because I wasn't fast enough. So have you changed that and learned from that? You may, is that a decision-making tree now that happens more quickly? 100%. You pull the trigger more quickly now. 100%. And it's really something that we focused on ever since COVID. Um, yeah. There's been a lot of growth since COVID for yeah, a lot of companies. It's it's something that we've really focused on since COVID. Um, you know, pre-COVID, there were a lot of good times that were had, and we were just moving along and growing fast and wow, RCN could do no wrong. And then COVID came and we were fortunate enough to ride that out and have some successes on the other side. But what what I did was I put our leadership team together and I said, we, we've got to move faster. And I put together more of an organized committee so that we were all, the key leaders in the company were contributing to making these decisions. And that has really spurred change. I'm, I'm telling you, this this business of time, everything is moving faster today. And no matter what line of business that you're in, if you don't take time as serious as you should, you are leaving money on the table every time. I agree with that comment. How many times did you and I, wherever we were at a conference, somewhere else, say this is the top of the market? <laughs> this is the top of the market. I, I can think of one time in particular, right as COVID was starting, when we didn't really think COVID was even a thing. It was a virus and yeah. you go take some Tamiflu and you'll be better. Right. We'll, we'll close we'll, we'll close for two weeks yeah, and we'll do the right thing. And it'll then we'll run its on. course. But at that point in early 2020, we were at the top of the market. I mean, it, it, it was great. It but, was fantastic. But do you remember that you and I were having meaningful discussions saying there's going to have to be a pullback? It's when I launched our foreclosure with loss mitigation That's group right. to hedge against the, the slowdowns in transactional work. And the slowdowns really didn't come. Yeah. COVID shut everything down and then the government flooded us with money and it became almost easier. Yeah. It was like there was tons of money around there. Yeah. And now we're kind of paying that price, but yeah. things aren't terrible now. Things are actually improving dramatically. Yeah. You, you feel lucky? to be in this space? Oh, tremendously lucky. You know, you, you say- I, you know, just, I'm gonna ask you, just a follow-up. Do you think um, somebody coming into the space today has the same opportunity you had getting in in 2010? No, it, it, extremely difficult to get into the space today. It's, it's because it's about building a brand. Okay. It's hard to build a brand. It's really hard to build a brand. Um, Do you feel lucky? I feel extremely lucky. Because I've, I've lived an adult life that's been very different. The first half of that adult life was me getting a phone call from my manager and the backup manager saying, there's no one to work tonight. And I don't know what I'm going to do because I have to go to a wedding. Can you come in? And as the owner, you went in. That was it. That's doing all jobs and not, nothing's beneath you. That, that's it. That so was you're, you're slicing and making sandwiches. The whole thing. Yeah. That was a very different life from the life I lead today. And, and while that was great and I made money, what I see today is a lot more use of my brain power, mm -hmm. which is fun, right? Like I get to use my head and that to me is way more engaging than just putting olives on, on a sandwich. You also, and I'll give you a ton of credit, you're, the, you're a CEO of a major company and you show up at every conference, every speaking role, your travel schedule is like nobody's. And uh, it's unusual for a CEO level to, to go out, be out there as much 
as you said, but you built the brand. The brand is very much identified with you. Everybody knows Jeff Tesh in the space, uh, uh, the private lending, non-bank space. But my, my question for you is, uh, why do that? Yeah. Like, why, like, like, I know, and, and talk about it. Talk yeah. about the friendships and, and everything. Yeah. Why? So I go on the road when I have the ability to get on a stage. That, that's kind of the benchmark for me. Yeah. And I believe that if I'm on a stage, the return on that investment of my time is five or 10x of me sitting in my desk doing something else. Right. Because it makes a meaningful difference to the attendees of these conferences to hear the leader talking about what my business is doing. It's, it's just the reality of it. You know, when, when somebody shows up from Apple, they were really hoping that Mr. Cook was gonna show up right. and talk about what the next generation of the iPhone is. That's just the reality of it. Right. People want to see the leader. And I believe that I owe it to those 255 people to do everything I can to continue to create opportunities for the company. Very respectful. Very and, and, and it, people ask me that a lot, John. People, you know, friends, colleagues. Jeff, you don't need to do this anymore. You guys are a big success. What are you doing? Well, uh, you know, we 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 own the NPLA conference, as you know, and uh, I'm constantly on the phone with CEOs through private lender law, through the conference, through the NPLA, and you know, the CEOs don't want to be bothered sometimes. I'm sending my marketing team. I'm sending my sales guy. They don't know what an impact is that for potential business to be talking to the CEO of the company, like when you say something, it's golden, it's done. And I bet you you've grabbed market share by just showing up. Oh, 100%. Which is, which is a, a bold move, I'd say. Yeah. You gotta show up each time. Yeah, you, you gotta show up. And you know, there is another side to it, aside from you know having a presence and being an authority in the space, I actually learn a yeah. lot when I'm on the road. I learn. I learn from other, I see what other lenders are doing. Now you might say, oh, well, can't you just have a team gathering intelligence? Yes, but I'll have conversations, one-off conversations with other people. It could be a high-level broker. It could be, and, and they will tell me things that I will never hear sitting at my desk. So my, uh, my son uh, works for DoorDash now. Uh, he just switched, and he'll probably kill me for mentioning it, but I won't <laughs> mention his name. But um, in DoorDash, they require every single person from the CEO down to deliver once a year. They're called being a dasher, and it's exactly the reason you said. So the people know what their product, every employee knows what their product is and understands this is how we interact with the customer. It's very hard to appreciate all aspects of your business or what you do in your core unless you do it. So it's the same philosophy you have that the CEO has to be able to do everything. And that's how you lead everybody else. Yeah. Really important concept. You know, I, I use the word getting in the weeds a lot with my team. Yeah. I, as a matter of fact, we had a manager meeting just yesterday. We have a manager meeting every two weeks and I went on a five minute speech about, I don't think the managers are getting in the weeds enough and this is a new year. I want you sitting with your people understanding exactly what they do. And there's a difference between micromanaging 
and being able to feel and touch what your employees do. Because you'll have, as a leader, a completely different perspective on it once you walk a mile in their boots. What other CEOs do you respect? Who do you look to and go, wow, they got their stuff together? In our space? On our space, out of our space. You well, can let's start with in our space. Okay. So I, I think... Uh, space again, private lending space. Yeah, in our space, um, I think the world of Jeff Tennyson. I, I just think the world of him... Top notch. Um, and, and here's why. A lot of the traits that people say I have, I see in Jeff, which is putting his people first, yep. always giving credit to his team, never taking it himself, um, traveling. Jeff's on the road, maybe not as much as me, but nobody is. Nobody. Um, putting out knowledge without expecting anything in return. Yeah. That, that's Jeff Tennyson, and I, I, I just think the world of him. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. He's top-notch. He's amazing. Uh, we're going to get him in here at some point and listen to That'd uh, be great. his career. Uh, who, In general, somebody you don't like. I don't want you to name it by name, but just characteristics. Somebody who may be a leader in the space, but you're saying, uh-uh, and this is why I don't agree with the way they're doing things. Well, I've seen some leaders in our space that are – pretty substantial leaders that if they walked in this room right now, I wouldn't even know who they were. I'm like, how's that possible? Right. How have you never interacted? Like you mentioned the MPLA, right? Right. The MPLA is, a, is set up for the betterment of our industry. Yep. So you as a leader haven't taken the time to, in, and whether it be the MPLA or just interacting somehow with other leaders in the space to make our space more vibrant, more ethical, all the things that you and I work on all the time, I, I don't understand how leaders can't participate like that. Some people are motivated by uh, just transactions and that's all they care about. What motivates you? What, what gets you up in the morning? Yeah, w without a doubt, it goes back to the same thing. And I'm sorry to keep going back, no, it's, but I feel a fiduciary duty to the employees. Like it's real. Like right. I feel that duty that if I expect them to be at my desk, their desk in the morning, pounding the phones, and then I better be there doing the same lead thing. by example. That's it. You can't just sit in the back and order people forward. You have to lead by example. Now, without a doubt, um, that motivation comes from wanting the company to see succeed, I want to succeed. Like I have monetary goals for myself. I would like to build this company to something much bigger than it is. I believe where the country is right now with the deployment of capital, private is just getting started. I agree with you. It's exciting. The non-bank lending side of things is it's it's poised for. You know, and and you see it from a lot of the publicly traded New York hedge funds. They're talking about the amount of private credit that's going into space. So to me, that's an opportunity because we have this amazing brand that we've built. Why wouldn't we leverage every single bit of that we can? I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, what do you think about remote working? So right now we have a, a hybrid policy at RCN. What what is it? So it's two days in the office. Or you can have a drink of scotch. I would like that. Good. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate that. So we have a remote policy where you have two days in, 
and three days flex, meaning you can work from home or whatever. Um, I believe that some of the employees that take advantage of this, especially some of the new employees, are most likely doing themselves a disservice because they're not learning from others in the next cubicle. Um, I don't know how long this is gonna go on. We've kicked it around at the executive level about making changes to that policy. We just came off a year where we closed the, the most number of loans we've ever closed. Units. Units, yeah. not dollars, units. That's, in a, the that's consistent with everybody else. In, in the history of the company. Uh -huh. So clearly the remote policy is not hurting us, right. but are we really getting everything we can out of group sharing and education? Uh, listen, I think collab being collaborative in the office is, is really, first it's cohesive to building a culture. But second, from a problem solving, good. it is good, right? From a prob problem solving perspective, bouncing stuff off each other in person is way different than doing it yeah. over the phone. And what I find is when employees are working at home, they're task oriented. I got four things to do today. I could get them done in the morning and go play golf in the afternoon. And that may be a good life balance, work balance, but let's assume that person was in the office and they got their four things done, but a colleague needed help on something they had an expertise on. Then they could get together and work for the company better. And it's just, it becomes very task-oriented when you're working at home. And uh, I think companies ultimately, first of all, when you it's very hard to pull back. Yeah. Really, really hard in my opinion. So um, I just think having everybody in the same place, which is why we built this building. And, and it's, it's helped us expand you remember our old space. I mean, this is like yeah, night and day. It's and unbelievable, it's, actually. No, no, it's it's shocking, right? But we've grabbed market share yeah. by having everybody come in, and it's not for everybody. Yeah. You know, I know people like I'd like to work remote. I'm like, yeah, that's not work. That's you doing a task, and you not having any glue with what we have going on here. And culture to me is extremely important, which I know it is for you. And what you've built, yeah. it's it's extremely, extremely important. Um, question for you. What's your best advice for someone in their 20s now based on all your knowledge and your path to where you are? How do you get to be where Jeff Tesh is today? Yeah, and this, this advice would really go for any career, not just finance, right? Right. Is be the one who gets noticed. Like myself as the leader... I notice people that are there early. I notice people that, that are there late. Now, what are the chances if you're one of the last, because I'm a late worker, so I'm typically one of the last people out of the building. I'm never one of the first people in the building. Right. Well, you're, you're older, so I, <laughs> you need your sleep. You got to fix your hair in the oh, morning. 100, 100%. I know what you have to. You got to blow dry it's that. A, it's a process. <laughs> but, you know, what are the chances that I see somebody in a desk late, right? I'll tell you what's going to happen. I'm going to go into that office and say, hey, what's up, Mary? What's going on? Right. Oh, how was the day? Right? And then we have a conversation. And then they might tell me a challenge they're having. And I might say, oh, have you tried this? And then when I have a manager meeting and we're talking with that person's manager, I say, oh, Mary said this the other day, right? When, when you 
contribute to an organization and, and you're doing everything you can to complete your tasks and hopefully go above and beyond your tasks, if you have the ability to get noticed, and that doesn't mean shouting, oh, I accomplished this, I did this, nobody likes that. But if you have the ability to work harder, stay later, you will get noticed, I guarantee it. And then hopefully the, the, your manager or other leaders in the business will recognize you. I, I can't tell you how important it is. I could immediately name to you, but that but getting noticed means showing up. Yeah, you can't do it from remotely. Hundred percent. Right. I, you know. So you now, hear, you hear that out there, all your your twenty year olds and thirty year olds who want to work at home remotely. This is from an established CEO. What you look for for the next rising star: get noticed. You can't get noticed at home. You, you can't. can't. You can't. You just cannot. You know hey. what somebody? What I heard recently, someone said to me. Uh, very wise. If uh, if your job could be done remotely, it could also be done in India. That's what they said, and I said it's interesting, interesting concept. It is right. Um, but I, you know, um, let me say something else. We hire a lot of young people at RCN Capital. We hire smart, young, motivated, hopefully entrepreneurial people that want to contribute to the group. Uh, let me say this. Some of my most amazing employees are under 30 years old. And uh, I think young people today get a bad rap for whatever. Oh, everybody's on social media, video games. And I'm sure that there's a component to that. But I can tell you this, at RCN Capital, we would not be where we are today. And this, this has gone on for years without young people contributing to what we do. It's... They are truly amazing. That's I, I agree with you. Your, your, your crew's amazing. I've been able to attend some of your celebration parties and the energy, the youth, the energy, the commitment always amazed me. I, I've often said to you, because I am fortunate I get to go to everybody's parties and uh, yours are different. Yeah. And uh, I think it has to do with your recruit, recruiting, but it has everything to do with the culture you have set. They all look like they have Jeff Ch Tesh's energy his positive energy and their belief in the company, which is a tribute to you. you you've, you've been successful. I'm very proud of you, my friend. Well, I appreciate it. So I'm going to drink man. to you for that. Thank you so much. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for breaking out the good stuff. It's That's delicious. It. Uh, this is my favorite, by the way. You know this stuff. This mm. is So over the years, people have, uh, uh, you know, they give gifts around the holiday time. And everybody asks, what's your favorite scotch? I say Macallan 18. And uh, there's been a little bit of a problem because it, because... Uh, the Chinese the Chinese people bid up the price on it because 18 was a lucky number. Oh. So it used to, used to be a uh, hundred dollars a bottle, and then it started going up and up and up. And last time I looked, it was 450 a bottle. Is that right? Yeah. And then I felt bad telling people that that was my favorite. So I said, Oh, I like 12. Get me whatever you want. <laughs> but once it came out, so now I get now I still I have stats of it here. It's 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 right behind us. So it's. Uh, it's, uh, but I enjoy it, and uh, I think it's important. To, no, it to, is. Um, we've had great times on our trips. I mean, the social component to our business. Yeah. I mean, it goes back to some of the reason I travel. I enjoy interacting with other people, and I'm not just talking about interacting with other leaders of companies. I enjoy interacting with with the folks that make their companies run. Yeah. Right. Like it's that some of the. Some of the friends that I've made in this business, both leaders and otherwise, are the 
best friends, and obviously you and I. Yeah, we're, we're we, <laughs> we we when we started out, so our companies were both very small. Now they've gotten uh, much bigger. Uh, we, we used to have uh, a dinner together alone every at every conference the night before it started. Yes, we haven't been able to do that for years now. No, because we're being dragged in so many different parts. Yeah, but it, it, it can't happen. It just can't. No, but it's something I enjoyed yeah. so much. Us catching up. I remember each one. Um, I will say that Jeff Tesh, you you, uh, you uh, exposed me to modern day uh, DJ. Yes. I when I grew up, a DJ was Run DMC, <laughs> and uh, and and Jeff, we were in Vegas and yes. we went to uh, uh, Calvin Harris. Yes. And I'm like, and you're explaining to me what Calvin Harris does. I go, what is he spin records? I don't understand. <laughs> That's the last time I heard was Run DMC or something like that. And then I heard Calvin Harris, and I had a whole different view on music after that. But you always liked the clubs and going to that. Well, it, the, and you know what's interesting for me is it's really about the energy that is created in yeah. those places. And typically, we're with the, a tight group of friends, right? So it's not to go there and, and mingle amongst the whole people. Typically, you go together, you sit in a booth, and you just enjoy the environment. And the energy is amazing. And uh, I'll tell you, some of the greatest nights we've had together uh, have been nights where you say, oh, you remember that time when, you know? Uh, remember the uh, first time at Martirano's? Yes. That we all started singing together? Yeah. Uh, was, imagine uh, a chef was a DJ. Yeah. He was, he's, he's a very famous chef now. I don't think he was as famous at when we went in the beginning. But it was, a, it was a, no, we've been doing this for years. And I feel Best more, meatball, by the way. That's still ever. the gold standard. We got to go back there. That's that meatball is the gold standard of all right. meatballs. This is Moderano's in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, uh, Chef Steve, what's his last name? Steve Moderano. Moderano, right? yeah, yeah. Go, go figure. Yeah, Steve Moderano, he's amazing. Yeah. He does a great job. We, th we threw a couple big parties there. That was a lot of fun. Amazing. And the quality of the food, just uh, soup to nuts, just awesome. So I have this picture of us. You may remember this. This was us back oh boy. in 2015. <laughs> Look at that. Look at those two young guys. This is, you take a look, look at, at that. that. Oh my God. That's what, uh, you know, what's interesting is you still have the same amount of hair and I still have the same amount of hair. I don't I, know. How we that, haven't aged much at all. How does that work? Well, I'm going with a different color these days, <laughs> <laughs> much grayer, but it has held its own. But, uh, I think you look exactly the same. I mean, listen, you know what I take away from this, John, this picture Look at the smiles on our faces. We were happy. I remember taking the picture. Right? Yeah. And I would argue, you know, what, nine years later, the smiles haven't changed much, no, have they? Hasn't. But you and I are positive people, and we and that's the way we see it. But yeah. I, this actually sits up here right next to uh, Alan S's. Oh. Good old Alan S's is up there, too. Fantastic. So that's where this sits. But, yeah, I mean, I can't believe nine years. That's... In a wink of an eye. Just like that. So, uh, career-wise... Where do you go from here? So my goal is one of building out a leadership team at RCN that has redundancy. Yeah. And that includes for myself. Yeah, you have to. Uh, I think we've done a okay job of that up until this point, but we need to, we need to do much better. Because if, and you know, just so everyone understands, RCN Capital is a privately owned company. One of the few in the space. Mm -hmm. There's not too many of us left that is privately owned. If we're ever going to get institutional capital, and 
we've turned down a lot over the years. Not, not to be boastful, but that's just the way it is. We've enjoyed being private. We think it's a competitive advantage up until now. Okay. But if we're ever really going to bring in institutional capital, one of the first questions they're going to ask is, let me see the org chart. Let me understand who does what and what happens if somebody's not here. And that for me is in my executive team is a big goal in the next couple of years. We have made some amazing hires, uh, just unbelievable hires in the last 12 months. And I'm not going to call them out on this show. You know who they are. Yep. Um, and there's more of that coming. That's there's right. more of those hires that are coming to an institution like RCN because they like what we've done. I, I know I know the some of your recent hires. They're yeah. amazing. They're they're pillars in the space. Yeah. Uh, I think the world of Justin Parker. Yeah. I think he's amazing uh, uh, in every aspect. So that's that's he's a key guy. Yeah, Justin. Uh, Justin is a he he resides in our Charlotte office. He's our CFO, and um, he comes close to having my energy. He's he's, he's got us. He's got a lot of energy, and um, it's fantastic. It's it's awesome. Yeah. So I appreciate you being here. Uh, this was amazing. Um, I, you're the first guest. Uh, welcome to Bold Moves, and uh, congratulations on your successful career. Uh, I look forward to not only being your 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 guidance, your lawyer, your 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 friend, but uh, uh, somebody who is going to watch as you continue to to rise up and do what you do. Well, I appreciate that, and I would say to you, John, congratulations on your success. Thank right, you. you and I met at a conference twelve odd, maybe thirteen years ago. Maybe, I think twelve. Um, both trying to figure it out. Right. Yes. Yeah, that's really how it all started. We that's were right. trying to figure it out. I was the reason I was attracted to you is not because of your speaking skills, although they are pretty good. <laughs> it was because you were an attorney that could help me close in lots of states. Every state. You said you could do this in every state. And I said we could do this in every state. I remember the conversation. Yeah. I remember where we were. And you I said, said, I've been looking for you. I've been looking for you. You don't remember who introduced us? Brian LeBue. That's right. That's right. Um, but look at you now. Look how far you've come um, as an absolute leader in this space, a trusted authority in a in a in a space that is growing so rapidly. Right. That's that's pretty amazing to be the trusted authority in a space. I appreciate I appreciate the accolades. I appreciate. I, I love what I do. Yeah. You know you can't you can't succeed in anything unless you love it which is you know i would give that advice to somebody coming up find yeah. what you love and worry about the money and everything else after because it will come if you are great at what you do and um and to get great you have to do it over and over again yeah i can't imagine what it's like to get up on a monday and say oh i gotta go to work like miserable right that's gotta be awful and and speaking for myself and i'm sure it's the same for you mondays are great it's like wait. let's go can't wait to get in you know, I, I send to a lot of uh, uh, the people who work with me. Let's go. I yeah. text them. Oh, keep it going. So. Let's go. And um, the most exciting thing for me, especially going into this year, is especially with the the rate environment. And hopefully, you know, rates are going to be going the other way. You and I get to go really get back to what we used to do, which is how fast can we grow? Right? right. 
instead of batting down the hatches. It's been a, it's been a little bit. Right. But even when we were batting it down, it hasn't been that bad. No, it hasn't. Right? It really, we've been very fortunate. So I appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. Here's to you. Here's to you. Enjoy. Enjoy.